everything turn, turn, turn. There is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. Good morning. I'm your host, Keith Dixon, and thanks for tuning in. The name of the program is Turn, 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 and the idea being that to every song, there is a season. The purpose of this hour is to play songs that embody the current season. It's summertime, and we'll be playing songs from Credence Clearwater Revival, Cool in the Gang, and The Sundays. But first, we'll be starting off with a song from a band that burned bright before burning out. From 1987 to 1991, the Pixies put out one mini LP and four LPs, averaging an album per year for five straight years. With their debut, 1987's Come On Pilgrim, the band introduced their brand of bizarro alternative punk, and over the next four albums, would incorporate elements of pop and surf rock to create a sound that was wholly their own and would prove to be highly influential. The sound that the band popularized would come to be known as Loud, Quiet, Loud Dynamics, with the songs typically featuring quiet, restrained verses and explosive, heavy choruses. Kurt Cobain admitted that when he wrote Smells Like Teen Spirit, he was, quote, trying to write the ultimate pop song. I was basically trying to rip off the Pixies, end quote. The band's sound as a whole consisted of the staccato guitar strums and banshee-like howls of frontman Charles Thompson a.k.a. Black Francis, the innovative and intricate lead guitar of Joey Santiago, and the powerful and dynamic drumming of David Lovering. But their ace in the hole was bassist Kim Deal, whose slinky bass lines and ethereal harmonies were the perfect counterpoint to Francis's aggression and rage, a feminine anchor of sorts. So when the band's swan song, 1991's Trompe Le Monde, was released, Fans were disappointed by the lack of Deal's trademark vocals and harmonies, even going so far as to call it a solo Black Francis album. What we'd come to find out from producer Gil Norton was that this was intentional, stating, quote, He, Black Francis, definitely didn't want her to have a big imprint on the songs. She's hardly on the album singing, which I thought was such a sad waste to such a talented voice, end quote. Tension and infighting between the band, particularly Francis and Deal, soured their working relationship. Francis would famously end the band in 1993 via fax. But fortunately, our featured song is one of the few songs on Tromplemon that includes Deal's harmonies, and what harmonies they are. Deal bursts onto the track like a ray from the sun, reminding us just how essential she was to the sound. This is Distance Equals Rate Times Time.
the technical and futurist sounds of progressive rock pioneers Yes with Long Distance Runaround from their 1971 album Fragile. Written by John Anderson, the band's singer wrote the song in reaction to quote, how religion had seemed to confuse me totally. It was such a game that seemed to be played, and I was going around in circles looking for the sound of reality, the sound of God. That was my interpretation of that song that I was always confused. I could never understand the things that religion stood for." End quote. In particular, he noted that growing up, he found the exaggerated piety displayed by many in his church as hypocritical. The time signatures of the verses are noteworthy due to the fact that the drums are played in 5-8 time while the rest of the band plays in standard 4-4 time. This polymetric mismatch accounts for the lurching effect that is present in those sections. Up next, we'll be featuring a song from Lorraine's excellent new album, Fatigue. Released in June, the artist, whose real name is Taja Cheek, had this to say about why she chose the album's title. Quote, I think change is hard, and healing is hard, and it can be a tiresome process. And the title is somewhat pessimistic, I guess, but I wanted to open a space where people could be okay with not being okay, end quote. Sheik has been candid about the 2016 passing of her mother and the impact that it had on her psyche. Her music seems to be a vehicle to process her grief, as she even shows her mother's name, Lorraine, as inspiration for the project's moniker. Growing up in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, Sheik would absorb all the different music and sounds that the cityscape had to offer, and it shows in her music. As writer Jim Pelly put it, quote, her uncanny soundscapes collage elements at jazz, R&B, psych, soul, drone, and beyond, with buoyant melodies and raw field recordings, forming her own enveloping mix of avant pop and music concrete. The effect can be delightfully bewildering, fractured and non-linear, an ever-emerging sound of process, end quote. As she herself put it, quote, if my music does nothing else, I want people to feel like they're hearing something new. And I know nothing is new. Everything I'm doing is inspired by so many other people. But I'm trying to find a sense of newness or wonders, end quote. This is Two-Face. Yeah. 
BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. Up next, we'll be featuring a song from the godmother of grunge, who set out to make an album that would deconstruct the California sound. In 1997, Hole's songwriter and frontwoman Courtney Love had survived an intense couple of years. The media frenzy that had enveloped her leading up to and after the 1994 death of her husband Kurt Cobain still shadowed her. Erratic behavior, fistfights, lawsuits, and heroin use made up the few years directly following the tragic event. Then, in 1996, after Hole's world tour concluded, Love went Hollywood. She would complete a drug rehabilitation program and act in a number of films that would garner her performances critical acclaim. Then, Love decided that she would make an album where, quote, art meets commerce, there are no compromises made, it has commercial appeal, and it sticks to our original version, end quote. The band would drop their grunge sound and would instead opt for power pop with a sheen that was ready for radio, or TRL. The making of the album wasn't without drama. Producer Michael Beinhorn would convince Love to hire a session drummer instead of using the tracks that drummer Patty Chenille had laid down, prompting the latter to quit the band. Smashing Pumpkins' Billy Corgan was also brought in to help after Love was struggling with the compositions of the songs and felt like she was, quote, in a rut, end quote. Corgan would get writing credits on five songs but would claim that the album would not be what it was without his contributions, sparking a beef that would spill over into the media. Our featured song seems to be a nod to the Carole King and Gary Goffin pen tune, He Hit Me, It Felt Like a Kiss, which was performed by the Crystals and covered by Hole. Where It Felt Like a Kiss was a song about domestic abuse, Love provocatively plays with this imagery but confirmed that the song is actually about, quote, a really great orgasm, end quote. This is Hit So Hard.
Closing out the program with a pair of tracks. Up first, we'll be featuring a song from two titans of musical innovation. Brian Eno and John Cale were no strangers to working together. Starting in 1974, the two would sporadically play, contribute, and consult on each other's albums. Then, in 1989, Eno would produce Cale's spoken word and orchestral album, Words for the Dying, and, upon completion, Kale would ask Eno if he would be interested in writing and producing an album together. Eno would take Kale up on the offer, and the two would go into Eno's studio to make what would become 1990's Wrong Way Up. From reading accounts about the making of this album, the two are depicted as being somewhat of an odd couple, with Kale being a classically trained musician, and Eno being a self-confessed non-musician. But beyond musicianship, their personalities were also at odds. Eno reportedly said that Kale was irrational and could only give, quote, bursts of genius interspersed with oceans of inattention, end quote. Kale considered Eno to be a control freak. But despite the tensions, the duo was able to produce an inspired collection of songs. Which brings us to Spinning Away, a profoundly beautiful ode to the passing of time and the inevitable change that follows closely in tow. With allusions to Van Gogh's Starry Night, the lyrics are a vignette about a man on a hill drawing the sky as the sun fades and the night sky reveals itself. Plaintive and full of a sense of wonder, the narrator contemplates what he's drawn, some kind of change, some kind of spinning away, a daily reminder of the marching of time. Beneath the vastness of the heavens with the celestial bodies hanging over his head, the narrator surrenders to the fact that he, too, is destined to fade, as time keeps spinning away. Finally, we'll be ending with an artist with whom I share a deeply personal connection. Evan Claiborne was an immensely talented songwriter and musician, and I happened to grow up with him as neighbors. Our families are still neighbors to this day, but tragically Evan passed away two years ago at the age of 35 after a courageous battle with cancer. A prolific songwriter, Evan released seven albums in 10 years and played in three other bands that also released albums. We'll be featuring Week Long Day from his 2015 album, The Splits. I encourage anyone that might be listening to go to your streaming platform of choice and check out his music. If you'd like to learn more, go to AnselEvanClaiborne.com or click on the link that I have provided. This set of songs is dedicated to the memory of Kent Claiborne. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in.